When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to Utopia Terrier. Stephen Chicken, joined as usual by David Hartrick. Dave, who's your favourite Beatle? Well, having just watched eight and a half hours of them uh, preparing to record a record and then recording it and then playing a concert on a rooftop, I would genuinely say I've got a mild fascination with George Harrison at this point. There you go. That was Nikki's answer as well, my wife. So, um, yeah, I think uh, he's he's the maverick of the group. Paul McCartney, you can see why people... Anyway, we could talk about this all day. Let's talk about Huddersfield Town instead. Well, Hang on a sec. Before we get on to the, st- the stuff that's not as important as favourite Beatles, I will say, having watched that, Paul McCartney, um, the man just bleeds handsome. Yeah. Absolutely Those delicious at that point in his life. Those oh, eyelashes. Dear, oh dear. Something else, aren't they? Yeah. Anyway, football. Yeah, let's get back. Um, so Huddersfield Town drew at Barnsley, one all at the weekend. Um, they had sort of, I, w- I wouldn't say they had promised a response to the Middlesbrough game, but they had, you know, talked a good game about wanting to deliver a response. I don't think the performance was quite there. And I think in the conditions, I mean, I said to you last week, Dave, I don't really care about the performance against Barnsley. As long as they get the points, they can concentrate on the performance against Coventry. Um, and I think the conditions you said to me an hour before kickoff, this is a, this makes it a lottery. You know, the, the, fact that the the rain is absolutely torrenting down does make it a bit of a lottery so I think even more sort of forgiveness maybe goes to the performance there but they ended up with a draw so they got neither the performance nor the three points uh, not the best at the office, maybe not their worst either. No, I didn't think it was great. I think there's a lot of things we've got to talk about in terms of throwing another lead away, etc. And I actually thought the first 20, 25 minutes, I thought they were actually pretty good. Mm. Um, they were getting on the front foot. They were they were coping the conditions. They were moving the ball well. The press was as high as I've seen them play uh, all season, um, which I was really pleased with that sort of level of bravery in an away game. But then it, it's, I wouldn't say the wheels came off but they just sort of slowly almost reverted to type I think and uh, yeah I think you can forgive a lot in those conditions because anybody who's there will know how bad it was people who weren't it, it was torrential rain for about two two and a half hours before kickoff then they kicked off in sort of mild rain that got fairly heavy then just after half time it was basically torrential again and then it stopped for the last probably half an hour mm. or so but the, the pitch held up really really well yeah really really well we were both sitting there beforehand saying this would be an absolute mess second half and it was it was excellent kudos to the Barnsley groundsman (laughs) yeah we'll have to send it on to them um yeah I mean it was it was a strange game I thought that they the the lineup for a start sort of set the tone for it was quite a strange uh selection that that Carlos Corbran made um he he could have and I'm writing a piece in the middle of writing a piece as we come onto the podcast here but um he could have stood even with the absence of he had so Dwayne Holmes was away waiting for a hospital waiting for the birth of his first child and Danelle Sonani was ill uh, and Matty Pearson was on the bench he'd picked up that back injury against Middlesbrough but even with those absences if Carlos had wanted to he could have played 3-4-3 he could have put Naby Sarr into into the defence maybe moved Tom Lees across the right um, and stuck with Danny Ward up, up top and and you know you've, you've basically you've got your 3-4-3 your three, three going there instead he played what I think we we sort of we spent a while trying to work out what was. I think we can probably best summarise it on the ball as a, a four two three one with Danny Ward as a number ten uh, behind Fraser Campbell. Um, and yeah, it had mixed results. I think it allowed Lewis O'Brien to get up the left a lot more because he was playing in sort of effectively a midfield three, and he knew that he had someone nominally central uh, in Danny Ward, sort of in between him and Scott High. But um, yeah, it was it was an interesting line. What what did you make of the the selection and the the tactical change first of all Dave I thought it was incredibly complicated (laughs) 
It was a, it was a four three three on paper that played more like a four two three one. That off the ball was more like a four five one or five four that one. They I would moved, say. yeah, yeah, somewhere between the two really. And then second half, they looked like at one point they went back to a sort of three four three anyway. Um, and it just, I don't know, it it felt a little bit confused. There were one or two players who I think we were watching and they, they felt like they were caught between two stalls a little bit. Mm. Danny Ward was way too deep a couple of times and then there was just nobody through the centre up top there was nobody getting close to striker Fraser Campbell had uh, 12 touches I think it was in his 55 minutes Meepo only had four because um, they just there was nobody anywhere near him there was the, the out ball was wide and there was nobody central and it, it felt it felt a little bit like they were trying to do a couple of different things mm. and I can sort of understand the I can understand going to a four to try and get more from Toffolo in particular going down that side with the Toffolo O'Brien Caroma link up so I can get that but it came off as really complicated to me in a way that uh, it probably didn't need to be um, but again you know I thought they were really good that first sort of 20 minutes to half an hour I thought it worked and it's just frustrating because if they could have seen it out to half time I think they'd probably win that game 2-0 mm. and it's a very different podcast and it's a very different feeling and they sort of build on that first half and you don't need to sort of change it back second half and move it round and all this sort of thing so it's just unfortunately the whole goal the whole game is dominated by Barnsley's goal really because it, it it would have been so different but it's worth talking about Town's goal because I thought it was good it is yeah I'm just sort of bringing it up on the highlights now and you know we, we've sort of we've criticised Lewis O'Brien for as much as we have sort of gushed over him uh, for the most part we have criticised him for sort of his lack of, of goals and assists uh, this season and, and to be honest since he's broken into the first team but he was I mean he was phenomenal uh, against Barnsley I thought that, that was his best performance this season uh, and it was a, a really well worked goal that, that he timed his run perfectly uh, it was an interception made in the middle Danny Ward plays it left to Campbell Campbell onto Coroma a lovely back heel from Coroma to O'Brien and his uh, his finish is, is perfect it was a really really good touch by Coroma and we, we'll talk a bit more about him later um, but a really good finish by Lewis O'Brien and I think this is sort of the, the positive that you would point to is that they were able to put together two or three of these these kinds of flowing moves particularly going up that left side this is the one that sort of that paid off but you know we're talking about two or three which isn't a lot but it's two or three more than they've had in a lot of games recently yeah my slight frustration with it was they broke through the center and got the goal and then a couple of minutes later they broke through the center and Josh Garoma was one-on-one with the keeper but he had just been forced a little bit wide and keeper stood up and made a decent save and then they didn't try it again for the rest yeah. of the game that's that is so Huddersfield Town. It's untrue. You know, you've got a thing that is working and that is hurting them, and you just don't try it again. Um, but I thought it was it was an underrated finish as well because, like I say, you can't you sort of had to be there to understand how fast that pitch was playing. Um, and I thought Lewis his composure was excellent and I thought it was a really good finish going across the keeper there and if you put it into the side netting like that it's very very difficult for the keeper to get to get there um, so I thought it was a slightly underrated finish really it, it, one of them that looked routine there was a bit more to it than that yeah yeah I think that's fair it was it was one of the better goals down scored this season I think that and you know Karoma sort of uh, I was very frustrated with Karoma later on in the game but that back heel is, is, is excellent from him you have to say and you know that that is although later on he looked a little bit more like a, a player who was sort of short on confidence that that was a bit of a moment of class and the kind of thing that you know we've talked about this team being risk averse and I think we'll probably have that criticism of them again as we get more and more into this game but that is the kind we of will. sort of verve that uh, that we do want to see from this sound side you know that little bit of, of trying something special at the right moment yeah you need your big players to come up big and Lewis O'Brien did in that in that moment that was the thing and I would also say that genuinely it was everything that I think town deserved but the problem was I just felt I felt like the goal was almost the trigger point for them to start going backwards really and the next time they were all right Roma had those two chances where he hit the keeper and hit the bar but then after that it was they just retreated too far they started doing some of the reverting to some of the patterns that they know don't work um, and some of the forward passing stops and they invited Barnsley onto them a bit and the goal they then conceded before half time 
is you can dig out individuals all you want for that goal, but it was a collective failure for me because nobody was really alert to it. They've got three chances to clear it definitively. They don't take. There's loads of Barnsley players in space, you know, when you look mm. at it. There's nobody actually getting tight or going man to man. And it's a hopeful ball that just catches every, <laughs> basically like two lines of four completely square. And it's just really disappointing because, like I say, that it felt like a needless goal to concede, really, because it just needed like 2% more concentration from everyone and they don't score that goal. It really, well, it annoyed me. I'll be honest, it annoyed me. Yeah. Yeah, I think when you look at it, I agree with you, it's a collective thing. I think it is, it's Danny Ward's man who scores it eventually. Um, And we sort of, we were looking at that gap between, when we saw it originally and we got the replay, we were looking at that massive gap um, that Morris gets into between Turton and and Thomas. And we're saying, why is that massive gap there? It's because Thomas is sort of, he's staying on the, uh, the, I think it's the left wing back, uh, is there for Barnsley, sort of just out of shot when the ball goes over and he's sort of trying to keep an eye on him. The player who's sort of come off his man is Danny Ward who should be on Morris after that that set piece uh, and he just sort of wanders off him and and you know he's, he's caught literally just standing there uh, as the ball comes over the top having gone sort of five yards away from his man so I think that's disappointing but it is we've seen and I'll, I'll be doing a bit about this for the site I think but it, it has become a bit of a pattern uh, from town over the past few games I think it's happened sort of three times in the last sort of five games where um, or it's certainly twice in the last three where they've not picked up those those runs into the box that handover of marking from just outside the box to just inside the box and this has been a sort of a very defensively solid side for much of the season but that is starting to become a bit of an issue you know Lewis O'Brien talked about it after QPR saying look it's a zonal system um there are going to you know we are going to concede some of these kinds of goals um but that the you know getting at the idea that the net effect is going to be that they concede less but the ones they do concede might be like this but I think there's been just a few too many of them recently and it is something they they probably need to look at yeah i think uh, the other thing is i think if you play a three three man defense you have to play that way and i know they switched to a four here but you can't if you're training a certain way and if you you're training in a certain pattern you can't sort of just immediately switch to try something else so i get it but yeah it was i i agree with lewis o'brien really you are you are going to concede goals that way but you (sighs) I keep coming back to it, Steve. You have to outscore your opponents, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's very... The bottom line is, I know we're talking about specifics, and I, I know this is sort of a, a helicopter point, but the bottom line is that you rarely win a championship away game scoring one goal. Yeah. And the the fact that Town couldn't go on and get the second, and the fact that they're in this run now, I don't think they've scored more than one since, trying to think... Hull? Was it the Hull game at home? Yeah, I think that's right, yeah. You know, we're back in, there is a pattern here that we're sort of back in that we thought they'd shaken off. We thought earlier in the season things were sort of definitively improving. Well, I still think... <laughs> did I we? Still, well, I, I did. I'll be honest, I did. I did. And But now we're sort of back at the, the problem where whatever you say about the defence, however you analyse the midfield, if you want to say, like, I don't know, uh, well, you can you can make whatever argument you want. It still comes back to the same thing. They're still not scoring enough goals. And this has been the problem. They went up with a negative goal difference. They didn't score enough in the Premier League. They only got 22 in the second season, first season in the champ they were I think they would have been third bottom for goals scored and then last year they got two less than they got the season before this is it's it's the Huddersfield Town problem you know it's mm. it's it is the thing that has to be sorted if Town are serious about becoming longer term becoming a top 30 club in the country but short term just having a sort of upper mid table season it's it's the thing they've got to sort yeah there's, I mean there's only Millwall in the rest of the top half that scored less goals than Town or fewer goals than 10. Um, yeah, I mean, they've scored the same number as Cardiff, who are 21st. You know, and mm. you know, I know it's not as simple as that because you know Cardiff have also uh, conceded thirteen more than Town. So you know, it's uh, you know they've got you know uh, Mourinho's blanket or was it Benitez's blanket pulled the wrong way, whereas Town is a bit more even. But you know that they yeah that the the set pieces have been a sticking plaster over that all season. I think we we've sort of acknowledged that for a long time. 
And when you sort of, I think we said this last week, but when you take the the upturn in XG you would have expected from those set pieces, the improvement in the set pieces out of out of the equation, Towns XG this season has actually gone backwards from where it was last year, um, which is which is a, a big concern. Um, and I thought there were one or two glimpses in this game of them at least trying to sort of put moves together where you know they were trying to do the little little one twos playing around the corners getting Toffler more involved in particular but as you say after the break that that really became more and more desperate and the number of times you know the the, the big bugbear of mine when it comes to Towns attack is the number of times over the past few games where they've managed to get themselves into a situation where they've got a three on two against against the defence on the break or a four on three or you know even a three on three and they've just not been able to exploit it you know they've, they've just they've been way too tentative they've been way too cautious and they've just not made the most of those those opportunities where they where they outnumber the opponents and uh, it's I, I I struggle to sort of find an explanation for why that's the case uh, there's also I think there's no element of there's no element of chaos at any point and the thing is that chaos is a legitimate way to score goals and what i mean by that is it overloads basically bodies in the box and i'm not talking about going direct so I'm not talking about abandoning a passing style and just lumping it in the box. I'm just talking about, you know, genuinely doing the Liverpool thing, which is not just pressing high and pressing quickly, but it's about if you watch every time the ball comes into the box, it's two to three men every single time in the box there. It's it's about, to be honest with you, it's about ruffling defenders and upsetting them and not letting them be comfortable. And too often defences are very, very comfortable playing against town after sort of 50 15, 20 minutes when they see the patterns and it is difficult to explain because I think the other thing we have to acknowledge is this this has been the way now through four managers it's it's not just a Corbyn problem it's it's something in the water down at the John Smith Stadium I think because it, it really is if town are going to improve this is the point of improvement this is this is the the big the single big issue and I don't I just don't know how they do it they don't get the ball to the strikers enough mm-hmm. that's that's a big big problem because I couldn't tell you if town striking options are good enough Steve I, I genuinely yeah. couldn't because I've never seen them be given a consistent level of chances to to show they're either really bad at the job or really good at the job so I, I genuinely can't tell you and I just think that I think it's time they've got to seriously address this now and they've got to I think they've got to ask themselves do we need to do something different I use the expression ask different questions all the time but I genuinely think that is part of it they've got to start asking different questions up front of defenders because they know the patterns and they they know what's coming and analysts know what what's coming as well Steve that's that's the thing um it's it's an issue it's a big issue yeah I mean I'd I've been back and forth on whether I've been especially fair to Josh Caroma because I did single him out in my match report and we, you know, you and I, you, you put together the, the play ratings, but uh, I think I was the one pushing for you to, to sort of bump his rating down um, to, to a four, which in light of the fact he had the assist, which we've praised and hit the bar just before half time, seems like an odd mark. And, you know, Leon from the Yorkshire Post said afterwards, he, Leon Wobshaw said he thought that was a, a ridiculously harsh mark. So I've been sort of back and forth on it, but I think he just sort of summed up that inability to it's decision making is the thing and it's not just him you know I think he sort of I think he sort of most embodied it against Barnsley because there were so many times where Town got those opportunities on the break and you you were watching from the stands and it's like right well you've got the pass on there take it or you've got the shot on there take it Mm. one or the other and if when the pass was on he would take a shot and when the shot was on he would take an extra touch and then take the shot and it would be blocked it's like Mm. I, I, I think the issue with him is with Coroma it seems to me it looks like it's a confidence issue more than anything else and Carlos Goldbrand's pretty much yeah. confirmed that and I think where I feel like maybe we're being a bit harsh is I think that you, you he's earned enough credit that you just need to stick by him and help him get through this phase because I think that hitting the bar you know just before half time was just before the Barnsley goal that is the big sliding mo- sliding doors moment in this game because yeah. if that goes in yeah, I agree if that goes in then, then Town win that game easily I think but I also think it's a big sliding doors moment for Josh Garoma because I think if that that goal goes in he comes out for the second half and maybe gets a second or a third uh well he'd have to get the second mm. and then the third but uh yeah I think um 
I think he just needs a goal, as you put in the conclusions. He just needs one to go in off his bum, and then he'll be mm. he'll be he'll be flying. And it, it does feel that way at the moment. But it just feels like we're <sighs> this is what he was doing at the start of last season before he got that goal against Swansea. I remember I wrote criticism saying he's taking way too many shots, and a lot of them are getting blocked. Not many of them are getting are even testing the keeper, let alone going in. And then after he scored against Swansea, he was still taking lots of shots, but a lot more of them were going at the keeper and, and going in the net, which suggests. Mm. He was, you know, making better decisions. He had the confidence to take better decisions. I think one of my big criticisms against Blancy was, as I say, is he didn't take some of those shots early enough. Uh, I think there are a couple mm. where if he had taken them a little bit earlier or, or taken a touch and then the shot rather than three touches and then the shot, he might have had an opportunity. And I think that we've said all this about Chrome and we've sort of singled him out, but I think there's several players in that squad who you can say that about. I think uh, there's one where Sorber Thomas, where Lewis O'Brien played a beautiful crossfield ball for Thomas and he gets into the box. And again, he's so desperate to sort of prove himself because he's sort of come under quite a lot of fire recently. Um, and I think, you know, his dip, we said last week he's maybe playing at the level you'd expect of him but I think he's in truth he's probably fallen a bit below that and that continued here but he gets into that position after Lewis's cross and you know he's got three men in the box including Karoma who's completely unmarked but he takes a shot and puts it wide um, and that kind of poor decision making and that kind of desperation I think is endemic to this side now I think there's five or six players that were doing it yeah I don't I, I don't disagree with that at all I think the I took a little bit of stick for the Karoma mark but I, I stand by it because if a like the way we do the player ratings or or the way you do the player ratings is that like a five is sort of done you have done your job isn't it five You've is not average, done anything yeah. we had a we, is, is average we had a directive from our bosses this year that that five is should be regarded as average six is slightly above average four is slightly below average so like four isn't yeah. a terrible mark like maybe last season we would have said four's like quite bad but I think this year it's like just below average yeah and I think he was just below average because just because you have the ball a lot and you have a lot of shots that doesn't make you a massive attacking threat if every shot is to be frank seven of his nine shots were dealt with with a sort of minimum of trouble really so and I think you're right I think it is endemic with a few people in the squad and I, I come back to a point I've made before that is Carlos Corbran likes his his team to create a couple of sort of certain types of chance instead of lots of chances and I'm sort of at the point where I look and I think it's probably time to take the handbrake off a little bit it's it's probably time to just try and create lots of chances to get a body up there to support the central striker at the very least I mean like the, the thing that's slightly frustrating is we've seen that that works Lewis O'Brien at the Blackburn game mm-hmm. playing much closer and provably closer because we had the heat maps and you could see he was he was essentially playing as close as a number 10 would to, to Danny Ward and getting somebody close to them it put pressure on that back line Town scored three Ward scored two and it was for me it was like the most enjoyable game of the season I think uh, in terms of watching Town in an attacking sense even more so than the Reading game because yeah, yeah, agreed. I thought Reading I thought Reading were really poor on that day whereas I thought Town actually outplayed that Blackburn defence. I thought they were actually better than them. So I, I just the problem is we we both said it on Saturday. It's it's you're running out of ways to say the same things because they're, they're the same problems. And it's like sooner or later you have to you have to address them, particularly when you've got the defence sorted. You know, Town ta- mm. will survive this season just by virtue of having better players in that in that defensive unit and that defensive unit playing better that that will be enough for town to survive this season believe me but it's it's the next step it's getting into that that mid-table comfort it's having me and you having a completely drama free april and may to write about that that is the sort of next step and i just you worry about town actually being able to do that and not just being pulled down into lower mid-table a little bit where they're just slightly looking over their shoulders because they're not scored they're not getting enough points out of games like these I don't know. I don't know. What what I would say, and again, this is sort of the thrust of the piece I'm writing um, at the moment, is 
to be fair, I think, you know, you talk about needing different angles of approach and you talk about needing to take the handbrake off. I think as much as it didn't work, I think the thinking behind that selection was along those lines, to be honest. I think that's why I know Dwayne Holmes was away because he was, you know, for personal reasons. But um, I think he probably would have picked Karoma anyway. Uh, I think that he said that Matty Pearson, regardless of his injury and whether he was going to be fit or not, they'd planned since early in the week to play the back four. I think that suggests to me that Carlos is looking to change things. I think he's realised probably a bit sooner this year than he would have done last season where we criticised him for trying the same thing again and again without you know without the results to sort of back up that decision or the performances to back up this decision I think he's been a little bit more reactive this time around because I think you can say well the 3-4-3 probably you could say looking back stopped working maybe after that Millwall game um, you know because they, they they had the better of the Cardiff game should have won that they had the better of the Peterborough game should have won that but then you know they, they created enough in those games to suggest okay well maybe if we just tighten up at, at the back, we can keep getting more out of the three-four-three. I think the West Brom result bears that out. I think for at least an hour against Queens Park Rangers, they were giving them a game and when you know at least the equal of a decent side and then it was the last half hour that sort of killed him so you can understand him sticking with it this far but I think the Middlesbrough game is is where he's gone okay this is these poor performances are more of a pattern than 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 sort of one-offs at this point we need to change it round and to be fair as I say I think in a vacuum on paper the sticking with the 3-4-3 actually makes more sense against Barnsley because they the personnel that were missing actually it makes more sense for him to to have you know put Sar in keep Ward up top um, and not play Fraser Campbell but instead he, he tries to get someone closer to the striker like you're talking about like that like O'Brien against Blackburn by putting Ward in as a number 10 he's trying to get those moves going uh, up the left and we've criticised Harry Toffolo we talked about that at great length last week so he's moved him into a position that he's more comfortable in he's taken the defensive responsibilities off Sorber Thomas a little bit although not really because as we talked about it was the the five four one, but he was you know nominally the right winger in, in the you know in this lineup, which gives him a little bit less defensive responsibility because he knows he's got Ollie Turton behind him um, which is different to playing as a wing back so I think he has sort of made changes to try and address a lot of the criticisms we've had but it didn't work um, is the thing maybe when you've got different personnel you know maybe if Dwayne Holmes can play as that number 10 or, or probably even better Danel Sinani um, when he, when either or both of them are back available and, and I think Holmes obviously should hopefully be back for the next game perhaps that changes things but I wonder if I do wonder to what extent we can sort of read into that selection against Barnsley as okay we do need to try something different let's try something different I think we'll find out on Saturday yeah because I think if if you're going to do that regardless of the opposition and I know Coventry are flying high but they are beatable it's mm-hmm. not like playing Bournemouth or Fulham um, I think you have to if that's your intention you have to stick with it I think like it, it was it was a lottery on Saturday okay so for all the criticism the conditions were a massive factor a huge factor on Saturday there's no getting away from that so if if what you're saying is right and I think I, I think I probably agree with you if I'm honest I think I probably agree with you you then have to commit to that for the next few games because you can't just sort of try it in one game and then just revert back to yeah. something else and say, well, we well we tried that and it didn't work because you haven't really. And I would say, as I said, for about an hour of that game, it was decided on who was getting to grips with the conditions better than more than patterns and various other things. So... Yeah, we'll see really because the, like town being town, they've just sort of, they've heaped more pressure on themselves really mm. because that commentary game now feels really big mm. because they, they started November uh, and they were fine. They then concede that late goal at Peterborough. They concede the late goal at Cardiff. They put in the performance of the season against West Brom, which was uh, you know, I still maintain really Corbyn wants all the credit for that mm-hmm. because he broke that game down so well and he got the key decisions right. But then they're very tired and lose late at QPR. Then they put in the Middlesbrough performance, which was, the I think, the, season, yeah. the worst performance of the season. And then they go to Barnsley, which is one of the sort of winnable away games you ring in red 
really. And they just, they, they end up disappointing again. And I know it's a point, and I think a point in context is not necessarily a bad thing in a way, a game in a championship, but it's a point that feels like a defeat is the issue. Mm. That's the thing, because it's another lead lost and they can't keep doing that, can they, Steve? No, they can't. And and as I say, I think that the, having to put Danny Ward in as number 10, I can't imagine for a second that was part of the plan. And we know that they lost Sonani on the Friday and Holmes, I presume, was a last minute thing as well as, as these things are. Mm. So, you know, I think that was a last minute change of plans. But yeah, I, one thing I would sort of, another sort of note I would ring there is we sat here last week and said we didn't particularly put a lot of the blame on Corbrand for the performance against Middlesbrough because it felt like a lot of individuals uh, rather than the manager. And we gave, we we're giving Corbrand all the uh, credit for the West Brom game. But I think it, we shouldn't give people the wrong impression that we are sitting here saying Carlos Corbrand is blameless for Cuddersfield Town's problems. I think sort of the, the, the biggest beef I would have, if you want to call it beef, chicken beef, is is that, you know, he came with the, the promise and maybe these promises were made for him rather than by him. But the promise of exciting attacking football and I think at no point of his reign have we actually seen um, a sort of a competent attack put together as we've talked about you know it's it remains the Huddersfield Town problem as you, as you quite rightly put it and you know it's that is sort of the and we were you know this was our criticism a few weeks ago not just now and I think the fact that he's nearly 18 months into his reign and we're still yet to find a solution to that problem doesn't speak especially highly of of the job that he was brought in to do, uh, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I, we're 18 months in now, so we can't not talk about these things. It's it's. I, I, I've spoke this season on this podcast and I've put into print that I think Corbran has learned a lot this season. You can you can see it in he is more proactive, I think, in games, but he also makes a lot of I don't know I don't know if mistakes is the right word because mistakes seem to suggest that we know a better way. And I'm not we don't know a better way, but he's still making some of the same decisions that seem to lead to the same things um and expecting different results. And I don't just think it's a personnel thing. I, a lot of people make the argument of well the squad still needs work etc etc like a squad always needs work man city squad needs work they need a striker liverpool squad needs work because they've got a lot of players who are the wrong side of their peak man united have signed cristiano ronaldo and they still don't have a decent central midfielder every squad in the country needs work and there is a point where you've got to go well it's surely it's about working with what we've got then and i think you're right i think we we are looking at this now and the the promises that were made and i think you quite rightly say not necessarily by Carlos Corbrand, but the promises that were made, they they aren't being fulfilled at the moment. And it's it's difficult to see how that changes overnight. Like, do we think Jordan Rhodes is the answer? Is is that going to be the thing that changes it? I mean, I, and I'm not, some people will think I'm being sarcastic there. I'm not, I'm being legitimate. Is it? Is it just having a more clinical finisher? So you're only going to create very few chances, but is having a much more clinical finisher there the, the missing part of the puzzle? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of, we've analysed this so much, Steve, and talked about this so much. I really have sort of gone round in circles mm. with it. Mm. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, I still think... Think that, that a goal scoring midfielder or an attacking midfielder makes a big difference in that side. Perhaps, you know, if, if they are looking at playing a number 10, perhaps we'll see Danel Sanani playing his more natural role because I think you and I would both agree that, that from what we've seen of him, he's very, very streaky. And I think his sort of bad streaks are probably going to be twice as long as his good streaks by, by, yeah. by the current evidence. But I think you and I would probably be of a mind that playing as a pure number 10 would probably be the best use of him. So, you know, maybe this 4 2 3 1 is something that he looked at with Sanani in mind. And then or Holmes and then having lost them both was you know forced to sort of stick Ward in there I don't know um, rather than rip up the whole plan that he'd been working on all week so I don't know and this is the other thing and again this is why it's sort of hard to sort of come to any conclusions is for all we're sort of sitting here moaning and this is sort of the second or third week in a row where we've been a bit doom and gloom Mm -hmm. they're still in the top half and I think if you'd said to us um, at the beginning of August right town will be 11 uh, on the 6th of December will you take that we'd be like absolutely yeah we'll we'll absolutely take that you know just a few points off the playoffs that that we'd have taken that so I think it's I think it's really hard to sort of get a level of where town should be whether they have overachieved so far this season and Corbrand deserves massive credit for that or whether they have 
you know, whether they actually Slightly have... Slightly stagnated. Yeah, whether they have a good squad that are capable of pushing for the playoffs and, and he's holding them back. And mm. I think I think you could easily make an argument in either direction. I think he's sort of... And I understand why he's done this, but I think he's made a rod for his own back in a way because he keeps talking about how much he trusts the squad and trusts these players and, um, mm. and all of that and how he thinks they've got a special opportunity this season. In which case, it's like, well, maybe mid-table isn't great. But then you look at what the bookies are said and what we were saying and what our expectations were and you think actually they're doing all right and i think as a result of that i mean there's do you have anything to say on that before we talk about the the, the booze after the game first i just I, it's difficult because we we like we're not immune to what fans think and we there's some things we are sort of willing to put into print and to say on here we have to remain analytical but we have opinions about things and like town are so difficult this season for a neutral to watch and work out where they are because like comment so the perception is Coventry are having a brilliant season Coventry are doing really really well if Town beat Coventry on Saturday they're within two points of them mm. so like you've got one team who are perceived to having an absolutely brilliant season the other team who is is sort of slightly in nowhere no man's land who could be within two points of them and two points can turn around very very quickly it's it, it's an odd season and I think it's not like I know it's a point we've made before and it's a difficult thing to quantify but I think it town aren't helped this season in a funny sort of way by the fact that I don't think it is a good league mm. I think you have a couple of standout teams I think you have a couple of standout teams at the bottom as well who are plainly not as good as everyone else and then you do have a clutch of sort of 15 16 teams who are very much of a much I wouldn't much much yeah and the opportunity is there for someone that's that's the thing this season because like beyond beyond Bournemouth and Fulham I haven't watched town play anyone this season and sat there and thought oh they were absolutely excellent they were brilliant I, I really haven't and the West Brom game, Town win that game and I think they could play the same way at the Hawthorns and win that game again potentially because mm. I, I, I don't think they're anywhere close to Bournemouth and Fulham if no, I'm brutally as honest. As their recent you. results would suggest. Yeah, and you that's that's where the frustration comes from because a lot of fans are looking around and saying if we just had a little bit more we could actually have a proper playoff mm-hmm. challenge and they might very, not very get that chance again. Disagree. Yeah. yeah, that's that's the problem and it's, it's difficult to disagree with that when you've got Blackburn who are very very patchy side, but who score lots of goals who are up there. You've got Coventry who are up there and have got a proper goal scoring number nine in Goykeresh. It's these little things that you can look at at each of the teams that are up there and say, oh, that's what's making the difference. That's what's making the difference. So then when you relate that back to Huddersfield Town, it's very easy for fans and for other people to say, if they only had a, mm-hmm. you know, goal scoring midfielder or a top class number nine or a, you know, w- whatever it is. So I, I can't, I can't kind of I kind of get the I kind of get a lot of the the weird sentiment we get because we were talking off there before we we sort of came on and started recording this about how at the moment we are getting on our pieces and on our Twitter and in reaction to the pod we're getting the full range of views at the moment from I couldn't disagree with you more said in a slightly less polite way than that to I couldn't agree with you more and it, mm. it, it really does sort of show that yeah it's difficult it's a difficult thing to analyze Huddersfield Town at the moment. I think sort of the best thing to sum this up is the, the fact that the players were booed at the final whistle on Barnsley because I've had two people go out of their way, two town fans message me to say, I can't believe they got booed after that performance. We've got no God-given right yeah. to beat Barnsley. It was a draw. They didn't lose like their 11th in the table. What what are they booing for? And But at the same time, I understand why people would boo, not for that game in isolation, but uh, because of the fact that they had had that terrible performance against Middlesbrough and then sort of had sort of the promise or expectation that they would deliver a response and then they didn't get that response against Barnsley I think those boos were sort of an accumulation of the two games um and I, but I also think it's sort of indicative of as you say there's there seems to be quite a fractured fan base at the moment and very fractured in views and expectations and the direction the club's going on I think it's probably not helped by the uncertainty uh, at board level at the moment around Phil Hodgkinson I think that also in some ways it creates uncertainty which is sort of gives makes it difficult for fans to rally behind something and rally behind the cause because the direction of the club is is a bit unclear at the moment as a, 
as a result of that uncertainty. But it also means that because Phil Hodgkinson is out of the picture at the moment, the obvious scapegoat that the fans have had for the last two years is gone. Um, or, you know, still at the club, but effectively out of the picture. So it's then, well, who do we who do we then direct our anger at if not Phil Hodgkinson? The kind of people that, you know, the fans that were sort of blaming Hodgkinson for everything, whether it was his fault or not, now have to find another target. And I think they're sort of, they're turning it onto Corbrad and the players. But I think the other big thing is they had, they were in this kind of position last year. And when they went on a, when they started on that bad run of form, as they're on at the moment, the bad run of form didn't end. <laughs> and I think that the fans are now naturally and understandably quite a bit more impatient this season, that the results have turned and they're not getting behind the team going, okay, if we get behind them, we're going to get, you know, they're going to get winning again. Don't worry, it's just a blip. They're going, oh, well, that's the good part of the season over then. It's going to be nothing but rubbish from here. So we might as well get the booze in now and let them know how we feel before it escalates further or Descalate. What's the op- de-escalate? What's the opposite of escalate? Anyway, elevate. <laughs> um, anyway, I, I, my personal take on it is that, that like, sends. I don't. <laughs> um, my, uh, as a lot of people know, I keep an eye on Brighton's results from time to time. Um, and we booed at the end of the Leeds draw, mm. and there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of talk of that it was towards Graham Potter, etc. And it wasn't. It was a sort of cumulative thing of seeing the same issue. It wasn't, you know, Potter, you've got to sort it out. It's more that the club hasn't signed the striker they needed in 2019, to be brutally honest. So it was a sort of measure of discontent that was a few people... And it was almost like, okay, we've got that off our chest. We can all move on now because ever since it's been completely unified, you know, there's been nothing of the sort. And if anything, fans have been going the other way to, to, you know, show this isn't about Potter or the players that are on the pitch. It's, It's a bigger thing. I think there's an element of that with Town getting booed off on Saturday that it is it is this cumulative issue of not scoring enough, not creating enough chances, not... To be honest with you, it's it, it, boring is the wrong word because I think football is subjective and you can always find something to enjoy in a football game that I've enjoyed many, many nil-nils that other people have said have been dull as ditch water because you, you find something. But there is no denying that there's not an awful lot of adrenaline in town at the moment when mm-hmm. they're on the pitch. It's not roller coasters and fireworks. And it's all about control and control possession and trying to dominate possession, etc. And a lot of that isn't isn't sexy particularly. And I think some of the fans, it's a little bit of a reaction that they just want to come and... The problem is they really enjoyed the West Brom game. They love the Blackburn game. They love the Reading game. So you almost... It's almost worse because you know it. they are capable of it. They can do it. it. It's... And I think it's just a little bit of a reaction to that as well. Um, so I, I I understand it, but I can't condone it because I'm not sure that was the performance and the result to, to do it after. If I'm if I'm really honest with you, because you know you got to you got to think about context and a point at Barnsley in those torrential rain conditions, etc. is not the worst result in the world, really. So I sort of I wasn't surprised by it though, Steve. Were you? No. Did it take you? Take no. You back? Well, slightly. Like after Fraser Campbell went off, they sang him off the pitch. They gave him the one yeah. of our own as he went to the tunnel. So in that regard, yeah, because I'd seen that response and I thought, oh, that's I'd, I'd thought earlier in the game, oh, they've not turned on him that's good to see um and you know they've they've done the danny ward song even when they've you know not been you know when there's been a lot of criticism of danny ward they have got behind him so i was a little bit surprised in that respect but again i also i understand it purely because of what happened last season i think if it weren't for what happened last season i would be sort of sitting here mystified saying you know give your head a shake but i think i kind of get it after last year and particularly sort of the context i know that sort of every team to sort of deserves respect and so on but barnes have been so miserably bad this year um yeah i think that that's also a, a part of it but yeah I, I i agree that probably on balance not deserved on the day but i get why it happened to be honest it's understandable yeah 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 but as i say i think it's i think you're right i think there does need to be a bit of adrenaline and this is not me sort of coming up with an original point this is me sort of repeating back to you a point you've made to me but it does feel a bit like they need the fans need something unified that they can rally behind and I think that you know for whatever sort of 
sort of, however sort of in the balance we sort of feel about Carlos Gorbran on the pitch, I think he's not the most charismatic man in the world. Um, I think he's he's a. Uh, He's quite a standoffish personality, so I think that in that respect, he's not going to get. Although he's been making the effort, um, such as the the Q and A and going to meet the disabled supporters trust and things like that, I still think he's he's just not that big personality that the fans are ever going to sort of like rally behind. And I think I think they need a bit of a bit of that to be honest. Um, I think they need even if it doesn't come from the manager or come from you know I think they just need a united cause to rally behind. And I think obviously getting back into the playoff positions would do that if they went on a good run of form between now and christmas then i think that everyone's happy again you know if they're top six on boxing day or at the turn of the new year then i think that does suddenly turn into a bit of momentum and everyone's behind it again and and everyone's looking forward to to january but at the moment it just feels a little bit a little bit fractured a little bit disunified and it just feels like as you say there's no adrenaline it feels like the air's sort of been let out the season a bit and and that is sort of bleeding onto the pitch and it's sort of it's becoming a bit of a circular thing yeah but they can put it right. It's not a. I don't think this is a terminal decline necessarily for for the manager or for this season or anything like that. They can put it right, but it's time to do it. They've got another two weeks where they've got a full week to prepare for a game. Three weeks. So really. yeah, three weeks in effect with with Christmas. So really, there's no excuse left. And commentary a good side, really good side, and they score goals, but they're beatable. They're not. You know, it's not Brazil 1970 coming to the John Smiths they are a beatable side Bristol are very beatable even at their place if you you know defensively they're not great you can get at them and then you've got Blackpool on Boxing Day and again <laughs> if you're serious you, you have to you have to win your home games or you have to go out and win all your home games so they've got a chance to put it right but they've got to do it quickly yeah. because it, it's. I wouldn't say we're at the point where this is a slide because a slide for me is where you've you've gone two months, uh, you know, two full months, and you are uh, you're in a terrible run of form. At the moment, they had a bad November, but they put the performance to the season in, and we're now in early December. They need to put it right quickly. It's it's not a blip. It's longer than a blip. I don't know what's between a blip and a slide, but that's where we are. Mm, I think it, yeah, this is the thing. Like no one can see the future, and it, this could well be a slide. You know. It, we're only I think we're probably only one two three games off calling it a slide let's be honest hmm. because you know they've gone from sort of fifth sixth down to 11th already and with the way the league table is if they don't win at least one of the next two they're going to be in the bottom half in all likelihood so I think at that point you do have to call it a bit of a slide but we're maybe we're maybe sort of on the cusp of a slide but it could also just be you know it could be a could turn out to be a ski slope you know a ski jump um you know it was but it was interesting when I looked at at sort of 2016-17 they had a similar thing um, they had a really bad November and then they drew at Blackburn or against Blackburn I can't remember whether it was home or away uh, which sort of looked like a continuation of that bad run but then that actually turned into I think they won all of the next four they won like all but two of the next 12 games or something like that and I'm not saying that Town are going to do that now but I mean I'm sure that at that point in sort of early December late November 2016 a lot of fans are saying oh well we've had our run in the playoffs that's, that's that we're going to drop down the table now and quite the opposite happened it, it can happen it might be unlikely but you don't know what's around the corner so yeah it's it's hard to say at this point yeah local journal spots omen that says town are definitely getting <laughs> promoted then fair enough i have basically uh, already issue with that i've basically already <laughs> run that angle to be honest but um yeah this is the thing like i wrote this before the Burnsley game and that was one of the examples i gave but they've, they've got this is the thing that they've, they've, they've got three trajectories they can follow now uh, and I think the, the Barnsley game didn't really give a definitive answer as to which one they're going to follow because they could either do a 2016-17 and shoot back up from here. This is the low and they're going to be up from here. It could be like more like 2019-20 where they were pretty steady throughout the season, uh, had little mini ups and downs. But once they sort of got out of the relegation zone, their position basically just didn't change. They, they just sort of stayed as they were throughout the rest of the season. Uh, and it could be that Town do that again. They just sort of stay picking up four points every three games and they end up just finishing mid-table or they could do what they did last year 
and and drop off considerably and end up having a, an absolutely miserable season once again. And this is the thing, it's hard for you or me to sit here, even as sort of neutrals, and say, ah, well, the numbers suggest it's, you know, the underlying numbers suggest that they're doing fine and they're on an uptick, or the underlying numbers suggest they're doing dreadful and they're on a downturn. You know, we look at the, the XG, the expected goals against, the expected goal difference, we look at the player stats, and it's all very inconclusive at this stage, which probably points towards mm. the, the, the fact, the idea that they're going to stay somewhere in the middle, but but who knows? We, well, they, we can't say with any certainty, and that's the issue. They're 11th of 24 teams, and they've scored 24 goals, and they've conceded 24 goals, so it suggests they're a very average side at the moment, yeah. and we don't know if that's... <laughs> Worryingly, if that's an overperformance or if that's, we hope it's a slight underperformance and they're going to kick on from there. That's that's the thing. That's why it's so difficult to analyse. Or it could just be a performance and, and this is yeah. where they are. Yeah. This is, this is what they are. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're just, I mean, it's, it's absolutely no help from an analytical point of view, but we'll have to see. <laughs> yeah. It's, I feel like we've we've raised more questions than than we've had answers today. But I think again, I think that sort of indicates where where they are this season. And, and just I don't know. I, I I I can understand why the fans are sort of grasping around to to find any kind of meaning. Um, and why you know I think I think they've lashed out in some strange directions recently. Um, but I think there's also been a lot of valid criticism. And I don't know. It it just feels like everyone's sort of sat in limbo waiting to see what what comes next and those who are sort of of a more pessimistic bent are getting their shots in early so they can say ah see well we, we told you yeah there is definitely something of if you always say everything is rubbish then you can always be proved right from one angle or another can't you even when it's not that's that's the thing I think there is an element of that but there are legitimate concerns yeah. I think at the moment and there are they're legitimate questions that need answering and I, I do think that you have to 18 months into a manager's reign I think you do it is right to legitimately ask some questions of the manager when you have patterns of problems that are, are still there so I, I come back to the same thing though they have ultimately got a chance to put this right mm-hmm. immediately you know if, if if the very best way to put this right is to win your home games and their next game is a home game and it is a winnable game I know people will look at the table and think commentary are flying and they've no chance etc but it is a winnable game they're not they're not brilliant but they do score goals so town have got to be prepared to score two goals to win a home game that's that's the reality yeah yeah we'll see what happens from here i guess i mean Coventry's their form recently has been quite poor they've, they've drawn a lot of games they've dropped out the playoffs so i think this is probably the best best time of the season to play Coventry but I think they'd probably say the same about town so um, yeah we'll have to see and it is of course in front of the sky cameras uh, by the time you hear this you... oh I hate an early kickoff. <laughs> I hate early kickoffs. why do you hate they're early kickoffs? They're, because they're, they're always weird games they're always they're always they're just odd I just don't like early kickoffs. Every game should be three o'clock on a Saturday. Um, yeah, by the time you hear this, you'll probably know the FA Cup draw. We're recording this Monday afternoon. Um, so yeah, just just insert your own. Imagine ha- imagine us reacting to that. I'm, I'm very pleased that has happened. All very sorry for you. Yes, I think it's good that they've got a big six side. I think it's bad that they've got a big six side. I think. Just... Oh no, not Stoke away again. Ah uh, no, not home to Millwall I mean how many clubs have we got to do this with yeah let's be honest <laughs> right Dave thanks for joining us right we're getting closer to Christmas and Ockley Books have got people sorted if they're looking for a gift for a football mad loved one uh, we have there's loads of stuff on there there's loads of stuff on offer buy books they are good in my opinion yeah and I've given the big shill to uh, to the Welcome Centre donations last couple of weeks thank you to those of us who those of you who have donated since last week we've had a uh, slightly better response to last week so if you are in a position to make a donation to a much needed food bank that lots of people will be relying on uh, not just this Christmas but beyond but you know especially this Christmas when money is tight head over to huddersfieldtattoo.com and you can make a donation to the welcome centre and we will see you next time on OTB Terrier. goodbye goodbye